0: Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of
1: our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message.
0: All right, we're just going to jump straight in. Like I don't have any jokes to warm us up or anything. Are we prepared? Are we ready, you guys? I'm working with a limited time frame, so I'm just going to get her done. (laughs) Okay, Um, we're going to have a slide that comes up. I did this the last time I preached, and I loved it so much that we're going to do it again. So everyone grab your Bibles. You got your Bibles? We're going to read this slide together. Can we do that? Okay, let's go. I love my Bible. I believe that it is the Word of God. I believe I am who He says I am. I believe in its power to transform my life. I know that God will meet me in these pages. My heart is open to receive, and I boldly declare I will never be the same. Amen. Okay. Bill Byers, who was here last night? Cool. Quite a few people. Okay, so Bill came and spoke last night, and he spoke about running the race and endurance. And I love it, and it was such a powerful message. I'm actually going to be speaking on the other side, the flip side of that coin. And so I'm excited. This is a lesson. This is a journey that the Lord has had me on for the last seven to eight months, and it's going deep. I'm excited to share it with you. So why don't you turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Samuel 6, and we're going to read 1 through 15. It's a bit of a lengthy passage, but we got this, you guys. We got this. Okay, say amen when you get to your Bible. Amen. 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 Okay, let me give you a little bit of context for this scripture. So we pick up this passage, and the Ark of the Covenant has been in abed house for 20 years at this point. And this is the story of David's attempts, because there was two, of him bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so before Abinadab's house it was actually with the Philistines. And the Philistines stole the ark of the covenant from the Israelites. And then we all know that disease broke out and they had tumors breaking out and so they consulted with their diviners and they said take the give back the ark. It's causing us too much trouble. So they went and they gave back the ark and it there it had been resting at the house of Abinadab for the past 20 years. Okay, so bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, it was a pivotal part of providing a central place of worship for all of Israel. It was a big deal because the ark of God represented his tangible presence, and David wanted the tangible presence and glory of God to rest in Jerusalem. Who can say pretty clearly that David was a passionate man? Wouldn't you say? I mean, you only have to read the Psalms to know how passionate he was. And so we read this scripture, and again, two attempts to bring the ark back. The first one failed, and the second succeeded. But can I tell you that neither of them lacked passion. Neither of the attempts lacked excitement and expectation. But the first and failed attempt did lack execution. And I believe that the Lord has a lot of Truths that he wants to reveal to us this morning. And so we're going to just jump in. So follow along with me. 2 Samuel 6 1 through 15. And I even went to the Hebrew website to learn how to say the names properly. So I sound less Australian and more Hebrew. <laughs> so let me know how I'm doing. <laughs> Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all of the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, and brought up from there the Ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between between the cherubim. So they set the Ark of God on a new cart. That's important to note. And brought it out of the house of Avenadov, which was on the hill. And Uzzah, or Yuza, I got that name wrong. Uza and Ahio, the sons of Avonadav, drove the new cart. And they bought it out of the house of Avonadav and was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, on fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they went to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error and he died there by the Ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah and called the name of that place Perez Uzzah. And to this day, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him, because of the ark of God. So David went up and bought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod, and David said... All the house of Israel, bo- oh, so David and all the house of Israel bought the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of trumpet. Amen. Whew, Anita. That was a marathon. I love reading the Bible chronologically. Do you know that from front to back is not chronological? And I love reading it because it gives us these stories and these books of the Bible, and some of them have different details than the other books of the Bible have. And so as we go through Second Samuel chapter 6, we can also look at Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 15, and also Psalm 132. And all of these passages of Scripture were written in the same time about the same events, which is pretty cool. So there are so many lessons that we can learn But we see David making these two attempts, one successful, one not. And so I want to look at it, and I really want to understand, like, why wasn't the first attempt successful? And what made the second attempt successful? So the lesson one for us here is don't build without the blessing. Don't build without the blessing. In verse three, we see... It says, so they set the Ark of God on a new cart. In the natural, perhaps that's not a big deal. Perhaps we would even say, God, look at this shiny brand new cart that we have to put the Ark of the Covenant on. Look at what we built for you. But in fact, God never asked them to build that cart. Not only did he not ask them, but it was against Levitical law for the Ark of the Covenant to rest upon a cart. The Ark of the Covenant was always to be carried and borne upon the shoulders of the Levites. And so they built something that God never asked them to build. In 1 Chronicles 15, 2, then David said, No one may carry the Ark of God but the Levites. Even he knew better. But the Lord has chosen them to carry the Ark and to minister before him forever. God wants us to carry him And not build things for him and throw his presence on top and think it's okay. I wonder how many things that we have built in our lives. And I am so guilty of this too. I love building. I love it. I'm so guilty of this. But I wonder how many times we have built things that God has never asked us to build. For his name and for his glory, of course. Right? We do it for the kingdom. But the problem is God never asked us to. I am convinced that David had good intentions. We have good intentions, don't we? When we build thump something and we want the Lord to be pleased with it, it's from a good intention. We may even take pride in what we're building, thinking that it is serving God, only to find out that God wasn't in it. God had set out for David the correct way to do things. His word was very descriptive on how the ark should be carried. When we obey the word of God, blessing follows. Yeah, come on. Sometimes we assume that if we're doing it for him, that he will bless it. And sometimes we're presented with great opportunities, aren't we? But unless God is on it and in it, it's disobedience. There's a quote by Alan Redpath, who is a theologian, and he says this, We want God's presence very much, don't we? But we like to hitch his presence to some of our new carts. We like to add him to our list of organizations, to load him on top of the mechanics of a busy life, and then drive. Drive. How much of our service is really in the energy of the flesh, I wonder. So often we put forth our hands and not our hearts. The ark was designed to be carried so that we would feel the weight of his presence. One of Joaquin's sayings that I love so much is that we're always trying to get God to bless what we're doing. But instead we should find out what God is blessing and then do that. <laughs> Makes our life a whole lot easier, I tell you. And here is a side note to building. As I mentioned before, the ark of the covenant was with the Philistines for 7 months. And they had stolen it from the Israeli army and they brought it back. Can I tell you how they brought it back? On a cart. 1 Samuel 6.11, what's my point? What the world can get away with, believers are held to a higher standard. (laughs) And we try to build like the world builds, and we wonder why God isn't blessing it. Look, if you have children, you will know what I mean. But when my children do something or say something, and I correct them, They'll be like, oh, but mom, all my friends do that. (laughs) Am I the only one? No. (laughs) And I say, I do not care what your friends do. They are not my children. This is what we do. This is how we talk. And this is how our family operates. And God is saying the same thing to us. I wonder if David ever thought, but God, the Philistines put you on a cart. (laughs) He's like, I don't care what the world is doing. I care about what you're doing. This is how we do it in this family. <laughs> he does it out of a place of love because he holds us to a higher standard. So the first lesson is this. Don't build without the blessing. Don't build something that God is not asking you to build, even if it's a ministry. Lesson number two, independence is overrated. The word independent means free from outside control, not depending on another's authority. Let's look at two of the men who drove the car. One of them, Azza, the son of Avanadov, the one who the Lord struck down. Do you know what his name means? It can be translated as strength. How often do we build things in our own strength? No, that's right. How often do we think that God needs a little bit of extra help? <laughs> oh, God, you haven't got this. I'd better steady the ark for you. I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty independent person. And I think everyone is to a certain degree. I, uh, I moved to the UK when I was 19 years old, and I lived there for two years traveling around Europe, and most of the time I was with friends, but sometimes I would just go on my own, and I just loved it. I loved the ability to be this little, teeny person in this big, wide world that I knew nothing about. I have since watched the movie Taken, and I am not sure I would do the same thing. (laughs) I'm like, thank you, Lord, for sparing me. (laughs) But I prided myself on being independent. And it was something that I had to unlearn when I became a believer. And I'm still unlearning to this day to not rely on my own strength, but to become dependent on the strength and the presence of God. Because I don't want to be like Uzzah, where I put my hands out in my own strength, only to find that God is not in there. He's not there. We as believers are on this continual journey of giving over control to the Lord. Control is rooted in fear. Do you have bosses that are super-controlling? None of you answered no, it. Just, kidding. just kidding. It's because ultimately, they're fearful. When you see someone who controls their environment or likes to control people, they are people who are living in fear. And we as believers are on this journey to get rid of fear from our life and to continually relinquish control and give it to the Lord. And I don't know about you, but occasionally I'll do this, and I'm getting a lot better, but... Occasionally, I like to go to other people before I go to the Lord. I'm sure I'm the only believer that does that. But sometimes if I have a problem or if I want permission to build or run after something, I'll go to someone who looks like me, thinks like me, acts like me, to just be like, yes, do it, Renee. I'm behind you. And I'm like, that's the confirmation I needed. I'm done. In 1 Chronicles 15:30. It says this, For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. It makes it clear in 1 Chronicles 13:1 through 4, that David consulted with his leaders. He even consulted with the people before he made the first attempt. But guess who he forgot to consult? God. And sometimes we're like, oh, David, but don't we do that sometimes? Don't we do that? (laughs) Good intentions have to line up with good actions because good intentions get you nowhere if it's not followed by good actions. So lesson one, don't build without the blessing. Lesson two, independence is overrated. And this is where I want to camp for the rest of our time, is lesson three, don't outrun God. Don't outrun God. If we look in verse 13, it says this, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. i just illustration. One, two, three, four, five six. Sacrifice animals. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sacrifice animals. And sacrificing an animal wasn't a five minute deal. Sacrificing an animal meant that you had to build an altar. You had to burn that animal. We believe that it is a burnt offering that they gave as opposed to the other four offerings. And you have to take time And with that many people, a super conservative guess, like an hour, an hour and a half, it would take to build the altar and sacrifice an animal. So this is what we're doing. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stay here for an hour and a half. One, you get the picture. And so what does this mean? You know, Obed-Edom's house, they estimate, was roughly five to six kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles, but five to six kilometers from Jerusalem. Let me break it down a little bit. On the conservative end, that's 7,040 steps. And every six of those, they stopped and gave an offering to the Lord. More than 1,173 times they made a sacrifice on that journey. So this five-kilometer journey, it wasn't their PB. That wasn't their personal best of 35 minutes. <laughs> this journey would have taken days, if not weeks, because God is not in a hurry. He is not in a hurry, and he cares more about the process than he does in the speed that we get there. Sometimes our busyness brings us significance. But busyness outside of the will and timing of God is disobedience. Busyness outside of the will and timing of God is disobedience. Yeah. We're always in such a hurry, aren't we? But God isn't. How fast can we build our company? How fast can I own my home? How fast can I build my platform on social media? How fast, how fast, how fast? Sometimes our pace becomes an addiction. We care more about how much and how fast we're building than if we're building what God has called us to build. (laughs) We get sucked into believing that the busier a person is, the more significant a person is, and that is simply not true we have fallen into this trap of the world and we have begun to think like the world if i just build my ministry to this size then i've made it if i just build my company to this size then i've made it if i just if i just if i just romans 12:2 says and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to retrain our minds. I hate that the word hustle has made its way into the church. Not once do I see Jesus preaching hustle. In fact, what I do see is Jesus' life as a perfect representation that he pulls away from the world. The hurriedness and the busyness of the world to be alone with his father, to be alone, to pray, to rest. Jesus rested. And I tell you, he built the most significant ministry in history. What God can do in one moment is more than you will accomplish in one lifetime. It is not about the hustle. It is about an abandoned heart to God, and it is about obedience. Never in the Bible do I see God in a rush. He is a generational God. We often look at stories in the Bible, don't we, and we don't realize the time context Because we see from one verse to the next, and we just read it as a story, and we don't realize that sometimes there's years in between those two verses. You know, John the Baptist, when he was baptizing people in the Jordan River, before Jesus ever came to be baptized, he was there for 11 months. Day in, day out, 11 months before Jesus came to be baptized. That's a long time. I mean, that's all four seasons. You're in that river in the winter. You're in that river in the summer. And we don't fully grasp sometimes when we're reading the word of God, this context of time, that God is not in a rush. He cares more about our hearts than our speed. I'll tell you a quick story, but um, welcome to my life. This is my counseling. I feel like I told my counselor the other day, I'm like, thank you so much. Like, I feel like I get so much content from my, for my sermons when, <laughs> when I'm just dissecting my life with you. Um, but I was frustrated, and I know this sounds really silly, and luckily I have a realist husband who keeps me. Focused sometimes, but I'm like, the church isn't growing big enough, quick enough. You know why? Because I look at other churches around me sometimes and I'm like, oh, look what they're doing, look at that ministry they're doing, look at that, look at that, look at that. And I'm like, we're not running fast enough. Come on, we gotta hustle. Let's build this thing, right? Let's impact more people, let's take the city of Austin. And I'm like, I'm so frustrated. We're just not moving at the pace that I want to move. <laughs> I like to run. I like to run fast. I like to build fast. And seven months ago, I um, I got a health diagnosis that wasn't conducive to my desire to run fast. And it made me take a physical step back and reevaluate what rest looked like in my life. It made me slow down the pace that I was running. And, you know, like we should just all thank Joaquin for a moment, because if Eddie and I were in charge of this church, like, we may be massive, oh God, no. but gosh, there would be some cracks. <laughs> so, Joaquin is often like, guys, calm down. Yeah, yeah. Calm down. We're like, but we want to do this. We want to build this. We want to. And he's like, guys, let's ask God what he wants to do. And we're like, you, yeah, yes. Yes. Thank you, Joaquin. (laughs) But one of my strengths is running fast. And I was telling my counselor, I was like, I'm just frustrated sometimes that I can't run as fast as I want to run. And she's like, oh, I think it's a gift. And I'm like, "I I don't know. She's like, your greatest strength will become your living sacrifice. And it repositioned the way that I thought about running. And I was like, yes, I do love to run fast. But you know what? I will slow down if I could give that to the Lord as a sacrifice. And So every time I want to build and every time I want to run, and I feel the hand of God just being like, calm down. we got time. I'm like, that discrepancy is my living sacrifice. And some of you, you were built and designed to run and build fast. But God holds you back because he wants you to be tethered to him so that you don't run ahead, so that you don't build without a blessing, so you don't do things in your own strength. We're obsessed with getting things done quickly. Hurry is the world's pace and not God's. I'm amazed that when people get busy, the first thing that is usually affected is their relationship with the Lord. The second thing is their family. Because when you get busy, right, God will understand if I don't meet with him today, tomorrow, the next day. He understands my busyness. Matthew Kelly has a book called The Rhythm of Life, and he says this, Relationships can only thrive under carefree timelessness. And this is something hurried people don't have. The more you increase the speed of your life, the less capacity you have to love others. Considering the two greatest commandments are to love God and love others, you need to consider whether your hurried life is costing you more than you realize 'cause I don't want to build this amazing ministry and then get to heaven and go, "God, look what I built for you." And he's like, "That's great, honey, but I asked you to love your neighbor." And you were too busy building something for me that you didn't have to dime to build what I asked you to build. I don't want any of us to get before the Lord and for him to be like, "That was a great try, but it wasn't what I asked you to do." I don't think it's by coincidence that 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, starts with love is patient. I don't think it's a coincidence. Love is patient. Here is just my thoughts. I'm not saying this is a theological statement. <laughs> People on the internet. LAUGHTER But sometimes I believe that believers fall and have failures because they are so tired and exhausted from the hustle of ministry and the hustle of Christian life that they've neglected their first love. And they forget to guard their hearts. Exhausted and tired people let their guard down, they just do. You only need to look at ministry and see how many leaders have fallen. And to be honest, I think a big part of that is they've fallen victim to the hustle. Let's slow down. Some things can be left undone and no one's going to die. If you say no to another night out with your friends, just so that you can spend and nothingness time with your family, I promise you, you won't regret it. You have to be in charge of your own schedule and consult the Lord about your schedule and not allow people to pull on that and determine your schedule for you. Because we live in this world, right, where we've got unlimited data, we've got like shopping at our fingertips, we've got this instant gratification society And people have transferred that expectancy to relationships and people. They want instant access all the time. But can I tell you, Jesus had the best boundaries ever. And we need to get a little bit better at creating good, strong boundaries. So that we can rest. So that we can slow down. So that we can connect with the Lord and connect with our families. Slow down before you break down. Some of the things and some of the ways that I like to slow down, and it's not, I mean, yes, we do live busy lives. We do live busy lives, and even if it's building what God has asked us to build, but learning this rhythm of rest is imperative to us for the long haul. We like to eat outside with our family. For some reason, it just feels different. When you're out on the patio instead of inside in the dining room, it just feels different. And it causes us to slow down a little. I like to play music when I cook. French cafe playlist on Spotify, you're welcome. (laughs) I don't understand anything they're saying, but I love it. I feel just very French when I'm in the kitchen and (laughs) I have it on. I got chickens, I love my chickens. I mean, they were really annoying, but I love them. And sometimes I just watch them. I know this sounds really strange, but sometimes I just watch my chickens and I'm like, I was out last night watering my garden and I saw fireflies and I just stood there. I just stood there and watched them. Because it's these moments that help me slow down. And it's these moments that help me reconnect with the Lord and to be aware of his works that are all around me. Nothing is of more value than your relationship with God, your family, and the people he has entrusted to you. Nothing. No business, no social media platform, nothing. Matthew 11 2830, in the New King James Version, it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me read this to you again, but this time from the Message Translation. Are you tired? <laughs> Worn out? Worn out? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You'll never get to the end of your life and hear God say, good job on the hustle. (laughs) I'm so proud that you ran a million miles an hour, neglected your family, and built that thing that I never asked you to build. (laughs) Hey, Dylan, would you mind coming up? Here is what I am not saying. I am not saying don't work hard. Colossians 3, 23, And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not man. Psalm 128, 2, When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Sometimes people aren't doing well because they're not working. The labor of the hands aren't producing anything. So I'm not saying don't work hard. We would call my dad a true blue Aussie. He has one of those like just work hard ethics mentality. So that's how he brought me up. I was out shoveling cow poop. I know, glamorous life of a teenager. (laughs) We know how to work hard. I enjoy working hard. That's not what I'm talking about. We work hard, we rest hard, and we learn the unforced rhythms of grace. As my heart for you this morning, I was forced into this rhythm of grace that I've now taken such joy and get so much life from, but I was kind of not my option. It was not my choice. But boy, am I glad that I had to slow down long enough for him to work this in and through me. Because the joy and the peace that I feel now about living an unhurried life, I never touched on that before because I was just too busy. I was just too busy doing all the things, building all the things. I'm very excited and I'm very passionate about everything pretty much. I have no lack of dreams and I have no lack of vision I do have a lot of lack of time but I'm like let's just try something small let's just take over the foster care system (laughs) something, something on the side you know that we can work on but I have become so much better in this season of inquiring first of the Lord of like hey this isn't just a good idea and this won't just bring you glory but are you on it did you ask me to do this Because if you didn't, then I'm taking my hands off it, and I trust that you'll bring someone else along that you did tell to build this. We do not need to be all things to all people. We need all of us to be all of his. Amen. So why don't you stand up for me? As we wrap this up, oh, I will say this. I have two sayings that are totally irrelevant to my message one is wherever you go wherever you go God will find you the other is God is powerful and nobody can take his place my nine-year-old daughter wanted to help me write this sermon so they were her two lines and she's like mommy make sure you tell them I helped you write this so there you go (laughs) that was her contribution to my message this morning (laughs) wherever you go God will find you and God is powerful and nobody can take his place Here is what I want us to do. Gosh, I just need to repent (laughs) for sometimes living a hurried, busy life. And if that's you, and if I'm speaking to you, if this resonates with you, if you're like, oh, I've gotten caught up in the hustle. Oh my gosh, I'm building something, and I don't even know if God actually told me to build it. And I want you to just put your hands on your heart and I'm, I've asked Dylan to prepare this song and sing this song over us and as he does I just believe that the Lord is going to lift the burden of us trying to do things for him instead of doing things with him and so Dylan is going to take it away and if you want to close your eyes and however you want to respond to the Lord in this moment
1: Oh,